what's up everyone and we are back once again for another episode of the boxing one and since our last episode there's been like a whole lot of great games and a lot of spicy headlines and i guess like phase let's start to kick things off all right so uh last saturday we had the lakers and celtics play prime time saturday night and it was a very entertaining game all the way till the end you know anthony davis had the ball in the post they're trying to ice the game i think the score was 96 95 um, I think Kemba comes around, steals the ball, and they have someone on a fast break but disorganized, right? So they try to push the ball on the court, you know, they get the ball pushed around, you know, there's a fight for the ball. Jalen Brown gets it, passes it back to uh, Daniel Tice, who gives it back to Kemba. Kemba has a perfectly good shot to win the game. He misses, and Tice misses the putback layup. I think that's one of the most entertaining games I've ever seen. That was a great you ending. You could see the LeBron's frustration as to how the Lakers couldn't convert down the stretch, and the Celtics almost made them pay. But, you know, the Lakers always find a way to win, so a W is a W. That's all that counts. And, you know, like, I mean, it might have been, like, a pretty ugly game, like, turnovers here and there, but then, like, but that's what we like about it. Like, I think, like, the intensity, like, ramps up a bit to a point where, you know, like, mistakes are more likely to happen. But, you know, like, the end product's, like, so it's always, like, right down the end. Like, that one pass, like, like LeBron was trying to go behind the back towards AD, like, he... I kind of missed it, and then Tatum was going down the baseline and just getting a beautiful, beautiful fast break behind the back to Robert Williams. Like, that's certainly one of the best assists we've seen so far this season. So, great game. All right, and speaking of great games, I mean, we got the Brooklyn Nets facing out against the Washington Wizards for the second time this season. And, boy, this was certainly, I think, probably one of the game of the, game of the year 100%. so far this season. I mean, you got uh, Russell Westbrook. I mean, we've been saying, like, uh, he's been like, kind of underwhelming in a way, but like this man went absolutely insane, pulling up 41 and the go-ahead three uh, to ice the game. And I mean, I, I gotta say, like this ending, like like it's definitely a high offensive game. I mean, like both teams are definitely in the bottom of the in terms of defense, but that, that's what we kind of expect, like putting up insane numbers, especially when that's big three. But uh, yeah, the Nets were up five, 146, 141 with like 12 seconds remaining, and they just they just lost that lead. I mean. Yeah. I mean, Theo pulled up from like 35 and knocked it down, and then Harrison Jones threw a careless pass, picked up by Garrison Matthews, gave it back to Russ, and then just the six-point swing happened in like a total of seven seconds. So, like, if you weren't there for it, you wouldn't see how remarkable it would have been. But, you know, at least they got the W, you know, Westbrook. One thing I want to point out is that Westbrook was guarding Durant down the stretch. I think he took this somewhat personally because, you know, the history with Durant. So, it's good to see Westbrook locked in, always playing at 100 miles an hour, and, uh, you know, always putting himself out on the line so let's go Wizards I think this might be this is a pretty good sign I'd say for the Wizards I mean like Bradley Beal um you know there's always definitely trade speculations more on that later to, uh this episode but you know this is a pretty nice step in the right direction I'd say all right so next up uh I think it was after the Warriors Pistons game there's a dude named Rodney Gruder and I think Clay and Dre had some very nice things to say about you know I think he was probably pissed off after something went after one of the Warriors players and he was like, oh, he's going to be out of the league. That's why he's mad. But, I mean, that's not when you're a certified nobody. You know, you're going to be out of the league I mean, playing overseas. I mean, especially at Draymond's press uh, post-game conference, I mean, like, he's just saying, like, since when does, like, Rodney McGruder decides to become a tough guy? Like, all these all these certified nobodies were on two-day contracts. I mean, they just, they just want to get tough. They want to establish their footing on the league. But, uh, you know, when you're like, established uh, champions like Draymond and Clay, I mean, you can't really, like, test their limits, you know? He's he's gonna fight back. He's gonna clap back at you. I mean like he, he's always like the one who always like finishes when someone starts. So I say you don't don't really want to attempt on that. 
not wise decision for Rodney. But I guess he tried, you know. You get you get an A for trying, I guess. Alright, so the uh for the seas, I mean like there's always been like a huge adjustments with due to the pandemic and stuff, but uh, the NBA and the NBA Players Association has come to an agreement to do an all-star game here in Atlanta on February 14th. And there's been, like I say, I say like mixed opinions from the league about the league's decision to do this, especially uh, when De'Aaron Fox heard about it. He just basically thinks like it's kind of a stupid idea. And um, and then LeBron's post-game conference, uh, post-game uh, press from yesterday's game. Uh, his thoughts about it, and like he's just uh, he's a, he doesn't seem like too in, like really into it for the All-Star game. Like he says, like he's like 100% like he'll be physically ready, but like he's not mentally ready. Like he's just not uh, really focusing on that. He's kind of like really questioning the decision to include it. But yeah, I mean, I mean like for the person for the fans, I mean like it's pretty pretty nice to see an All-Star game, especially with like uh, players who were out last season, like. Steph and KD and all that. Like I think like right now that uh, currently LeBron leads West leads the Western Conference in voting and KD leads the East in voting. And I mean, when we see those team captains, like those two team captains choosing their teams, I mean like I think it's I think it's a fan's treat to seeing the both All Star the both All Star teams. For sure. I mean, I think they should call the All Star game. You know, the NBA needs this little sort of entertainment revenue, and I think everyone watches the All Star games. So it's like the fans' fa- uh, fan favorites always going at it. And uh, you know, I think this this season we're gonna see a lot of new faces that may not have been All Star starters the other years or you know, maybe first time All Stars. But you know, All Star game is like something where everyone wants to you know be part of it. Hopefully, we have a good draft and not like Giannis and Kuzma just throwing the draft last year. I mean, it was a, it was a close game, so I can't deny it. But. All right, and speak of entertainment, um, I mean, well, the Lakers play against the Hawks, and there has been uh, some fan heckling uh, against LeBron. Uh, you know, I mean, what can we say, fans and versus LeBron and all that? Like, things can get pretty testy, but uh, definitely LeBron tweeted out after the game, calling out courtside Karen, and like, I've got to say, like, you know, it's it's pretty much right, right on, right on the money in terms of the. A fan trying to uh, really test LeBron's mind and all that, but you know, yeah, not worth it for her. I mean, I, th- I think fans are what really brings the element of basketball. You know, you've seen like the days where it's like a really close playoff game, like the finals or something. You just see the crowd go absolutely berserk once their like team scores a bucket. You know, I think we we're kind of missing those times because you know, with no fans in the stands, and no home environment before. You haven't really get to see like the overall stadium exposure, but you know, I guess this is somewhat of a segue back into you know what fans usually say to athletes. You know, you know athletes have to do a lot with it, like the media presence and everything. So you know, shout out to LeBron, bro. He's 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 a pro. He knows how to handle this stuff, and he's gonna keep doing his business. You know, like I do agree on his part that the you know like ejecting of fans was like kind of unwarranted. I mean, like LeBron was like into it. You know, like he he loves to see like dynamic back as uh, between the players and the fans, as you mentioned. And, you know, it's just like, just kind of sort of normalizing the situations in terms of like the fans not, not having limited number of fans and all that. So, you know, just, I, I love it. I love it. Well, so back to basketball, we had a uh, friend down there, draw 54 points. Who was it against? It was against, oh, I forgot. I think it was the Suns. Oh, maybe the Suns, yeah. But yeah, this man went off and, you know, the girls and a few words for saying, oh, man. Kyle Lowry can't do it. You know, Fred Valley can do it. I mean, Van Vliet has taken a big leap, you know, since the 2019 finals run with the Raptors. And I think he's really stepped into this lead 
uh, guard role, and he's done excessively well, especially as a defensive presence on the perimeter. I mean, it's good to see him, you know, he had 11 threes, 54 points, so, you know, he's showing people that he can still ball, and, you know, being an undrafted free agent doesn't mean that your career is over, you can always turn it around, so, you know, very happy for the Raptors, although they're not doing too well this season, maybe they'll turn it around, but that's one bright spot that we can look at. I mean, like, going from an undrafted player to, like, pretty much a 20-point game score, I mean, like, Fred Van Vliet, or Fred Valley, as you mentioned, is definitely a certified bucket. I mean, like, getting that contract extension, like, what, four years, 85 million? Yeah. And, like, putting up those numbers, I mean, like, I think it's definitely well-deserved for him Trust coming from an undrafted player. So, huge props for him. All right, so, another marquee matchup. We got the Los Angeles Clippers and the Brooklyn Nets. And I got to say, this was also a really good game going down to the wire. And the Nets came out on top. And we got Kyrie putting up 39, KD with 28, and then Harden with a 23-point triple-double. Um, you know, I, I mean, like, when you got, like, when your team is, like, your big, your Nets big three is, like, putting up these stats and, like, at this level of intensity, I mean, like, you, you're pretty much expecting, like, the Nets who are pretty much, like, pretty much finals or bust, essentially. Uh, but, like, you know, Kyrie putting up 39, I mean, like, we question that whether once, once Kyrie comes back, like, whether the, the big three chemistry is going to be, like, is going to, like, dwindle down or pretty much be all choppy but so far i mean like when Kyrie's locked in like putting up those numbers i mean like this is this is what he's capable of doing this is what he's been doing his entire career so nothing much to expect i think short of greatness yeah i mean katie's 28 points might seem like a little low for standards but i think you understand like how efficient he is as a scorer like he doesn't need to take that many shots to reach a plateau and he's always he's always your consistent source of points you know while Kyrie and Harden can have games where like they fluctuate with their shot efficiencies like hey is almost guaranteeing that he's at least 28 30 and 9 so you know the nets they're, they're set offensively it's just their biggest question remains on defense you know no, Mike, not, not even it's not mike dan tony it's mike, mike dan. antony like dan tony about the d because like you know yeah, he, he's, he's not defense like half the, half the defense double offense as mike antony's coaching style especially a pair of steve nash i mean like antony like with the steve nash the nash stuns back in like early like in the 2000s like they're one of the best offensive teams and you have those two as a coaching staff with this broken nets offense team i mean you're pretty much like expecting like 130 140 points across the board every single night but the question is whether they can limit the opponents to like 130 or 120 or something yeah i think they're currently like the fourth and third worst defense i won't be surprised if it goes even worse from here because they don't have any stoppers you know deandre jordan washed and, you know, Katie, Harden, and Kyrie are known much for their defensive versatility rather than their offensive skill set. That's, that's for another day. So next up, we have uh, Kelly Uchre, uh, Uchre, 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 uh 40 against the Mavericks. Um, and a lot of people had some questions about his, like, three-point shooting. You know, how he started 1 of 25 to begin the season. But yesterday, he shot 7 of 10. So, you know, he's proving people wrong. He's proving that he can be a good fit alongside Steph Curry and the Warriors. And, uh, you know, the Warriors are actually, like, staying relatively competitive while the Mavs have been... I mean, yeah, huge. This is like a really good, great sign for Kelly Oubre putting up a career 40. And I think, like, definitely like, seeing from that game yesterday against the Mavs, like, he's putting out like, a lot of like great energy, especially on the defensive end, like, really contesting shots and like going for those, going for a steal uh, many times. And like, I you know, like, definitely, like, I think it's definitely his favorite three point spot is definitely the left corner three. That's, that's where most of his threes can fall in. And, you know, I think this is a huge confidence booster in Oubre's game so far, like, after all the like all the questions that's been having so far and struggles uh, coming into this season. I think this is a 
a huge spark. This is like a spark for uh, his game for the Warriors this season. And speaking of for the Mavs, I mean, the Mavs, that was like a really ugly loss uh, to the Warriors. They lost by 31, gave up 147 points, I mean, and which drops him to 9-14, and 14, which is 14th in the West. And this is like, things doesn't look right for the Mavericks. I mean, like, many of us like expected like the Mavericks Mavericks are gonna be like a top West contender, especially coming off from that like playoff performance and like their performance in the bubble with Luka Doncic like really becoming like a MVP caliber player uh, coming up to this season. But so far, I mean, like the expectations are definitely uh, not fulfilled so far this season. And what's really uh, what makes things even worse is that uh, their acquisition of Kristaps Porzingis from the Knicks included a 2021 first round pick. So. Nice. Not much draft assets for, for the next offseason, so um, they're in a pretty rough patch right now. And based on their record, you know, the Knicks are probably, I think, top five protection with their picks, so... Well, the Knicks have not been a disappointment. They've been relatively surprising, you know, you're just adding to their draft arsenal, so... It looks like maybe one team won this trade and the other one didn't, but that's a debate for another day. And uh, lastly, we have um, the Houston Rockets, you know, people thought they were an afterthought after, you know, they lost James Harden and whole saga of COVID protocols and everything, but they've won eight of their last nine, and I mean, they're on a tear right now, you know, you can talk about the impact of Christian Wood, but um, there's also, you know, John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Jay Sean Tate, PJ Tucker, you know, they're playing with a defensive identity and a chip on their shoulder, and I mean, that's making them one of the teams to watch, you know, in the West, they can, they could be a sleeper team, you know, don't, don't count them out, and uh, I think the one thing to point out is Christian Wood's ankle injury concern. He's taking a big step in terms of being, you know, a starting center. Uh, I think he's le- maybe leading the most uh, most improved player category. And, you know, he's done a lot for this team. You know, he's shown why he shouldn't be slept on, why he's one of the more dominant centers in this league. You know, like, I think it's a huge uh, step forward for the Houston Rockets. I mean, like, like once James Harden left, I think now they have, like, all the leverage themselves to actually, like, develop all their players and, like, really getting that team chemistry going. Like, pretty much, like, laying off the, all the burden of James Harden, especially like him, like being not committed for the Rockets organization, and like it's just pretty much like allowing them to do their thing, and like so far it's like paying off really well. Like Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, J- John Wall, um, Victor Oladipo, like they're really like really becoming a really good cohesive unit. And as we mentioned before, Christian Wood is putting up an absolute tear as the pretty much becoming a premier big man in the league so far. But hopefully that ankle injury is not a huge uh, huge concern. Um, because so far, like he's been putting up absolute great numbers. So now we're going to talk about our trading blocks. So it's like, do you think might be traded before uh, the trade deadline? March twenty fifth trade deadline. That's a little over a month away, and so far, there's a lot of like speculation with uh, quite a few players. Now, albeit like it's not there's not like a huge lot of star power, uh, star names, big names in the market so far, but there are still like pretty good serviceable names uh, that like a lot of teams, especially coming out the play like looming into the playoff picture could probably use to put them over the top for that playoff run. So I think the most, you know, obvious name probably you guys have heard multiple times before is Bradley Beal. You know, a lot of people saw how he was fed up with the Wizards organization after they couldn't win games. And while he hasn't officially like requested a trade from the Wizards, I think a lot of people are anticipating him going to a playoff contender because he has hopes and aspirations of, you know, getting a chip and, you know, Wizards are in kind of a rebuild mode, kind of trying to push for a playoff, and they're not exactly sure what their direction is, but, you know, Bradley Beal is leading the league in scoring, I think he's uh, leading some, somewhere in All-Star voting, I think he's, like, number one, like, in backcourts, uh, like, 
guards. And, you know, he, he can score. I mean, he's put the, the world on display. He's got elite scoring ability. He can lead a team. He'll, he'll put 30, 40 up a night. You know, he has that switch where, like, if he's in his mode, you know, there's literally no stopping him. So um, there, there are a lot of possible trade destinations for Beal and uh, hopefully ends up on a team where he can make a more significant impact. And uh, while he might have mentioned that He's like not committed to being traded. I think like this is a pretty much like no surprise that like never trust what the NBA players say. Uh, whatever they say, I mean like there's, I think like probably the main example is Paul George, uh, George Paul, pandemic P, playoff P. Exactly. I mean like when he, and with the signing with the OKC, Oklahoma City Thunder that extension in the 2018 offseason, like he was like committed to uh, like saying OKC uh, for life. You know when he was at Westbrook's. Uh, summer party and all that and like once the OKC Thunders pretty much like fell apart due to one shot by Dave Lillard against the Blazers you know like PG decides to go to Clippers and all that like this is pretty much a no surprise that like whatever the uh players say whatever they say they're committed like also like Kyrie Irving when he's mentioned to the Boston Celtics fans like he's planning on re-signing that summer and look what happened now that following off season signed with the Brooklyn Nets their arch rival and yeah, I mean, like, there's no surprise. Like, don't don't be surprised that like Bradley Beal decides to get traded, even if he mentioned that like he's not fully committed on wanting wanting out. You know, just I think like pretty much expect to get traded. All right, so another player that comes to mind when, for the trading deadline is Lonzo Ball of New Orleans Pelicans, and I think like Face definitely mentioning that. You know, like many people do me saying that he's a bust and all that, but he's just pretty much like putting the wrong system in terms of like his playing style. I feel like Faye's got more details on what his situation is. I mean, yeah, you know, like his, his main attribute is coming out of college is his playmaking and his defense. You know, when you're playing alongside Brandon Ingram, who's trying to be a point forward Zion. Well, he was sort of always focused on getting inside the paint and Eric Glasgow dribbles too much for someone that's not that good. You know, you're not really having a chance to grow. Like when you're being put into a spot where you're a spot of shooter and shooting is not your premier attribute, you're obviously going to see your, your value fall. And, you know, I think he needs to be placed in a scenario where he can play make, where he can, you know, distribute for others around him. And New Orleans is just not the move right now. Yeah, for sure. I think, like, you know, what do you think a, a possible team that could definitely use, like, Lonzo's skills set? I mean, I was considering a more uh, trade to the Warriors. Uh, I think, like, they'll fit alongside uh, Steph Curry because, you know, Steph Curry can play off ball. He doesn't always need the ball in his hands. And, you know, the Warriors have a decent amount of shooting. They have a decent system. And, you know, he can run a pick and roll with Wiseman. So, you know, I think the Warriors stand out. Some people were considering the Mavericks, but I, I don't see the fit because Luka's also very ball dominant. So I don't see him going there. But, you know, maybe he goes to another, you know, small market team that uh, needs a lead guard, then he should go there. For sure, and I think like the team that could definitely use like a lot of like big transition offense, like especially with the elite passing that Alonso's capable of putting up, especially like the last uh, last season with Zion, like all those like three quarter court passes, like pretty much like pretty much on point. Uh, like definitely teams could definitely use that uh, for their team. All right, and another player that possibly might not been like in everyone's radar, but I think like could possibly be on the training block, J.J. Redick, also from New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, like, J.J. Redick so far has been, like, pretty much underwhelming uh, so far this season, especially, like, his three-point shooting has been, like, he's been, like, pretty, like, low numbers uh, compared to his standards. And I think, like, maybe possibly, there's, like, some speculation that, like, he might return back to the, seven, to the 76ers. And I think, like, that's be a pretty nice fit. Because I think, like, when J.J. Redick 
like left the Sixers. I thought it was a huge dent in like the Sixers offense. Like they needed shooting, and like yes, they got like a few piece, good pieces back, like Danny Green and Seth Curry. But I think like putting up JJ Redick, like once he gets back into his rhythm with the Sixers, I mean like they, the Sixers already one of the best team best teams in the Eastern Conference, if not in the in the NBA as well. Like they could that could be pretty much an over to put them over the top as like a championship contender. You know, the Cavs have way too many centers, and I, I think they're more invested in seeing Jared Allen develop because he's younger, and, you know, maybe having Larry Nance because he's also been, you know, somewhat surprising in a good way. But I think Drummond needs to go to a playoff contending team because right now he's just wasting his talent. You know, he's been in Detroit where he didn't get much done. The Cavs aren't in, like, win-now mode. So, you know, if he could go to a team like maybe the Boston Celtics who need a good rim protection or big man or... Um, I don't know, maybe you get a trade with a team that, you know, really is in desperation of a starting center who can rim protect and rebound, you know. I or think the Nets. The Nets, yeah, but they don't have anything to trade, you know. What are you, what are you gonna offer? You know, That's right. They they trade like their entire like future in exchange for James Harden. But I mean like if they could like finesse a way to get Drummond in, into the Brooklyn Nets, I mean That'd make them the favorites hundred percent. I mean also like the Portland Trailblade as well, like they lost Yusuf Nurkic and like being like Ennis Cantor was been putting up pretty solid numbers in his place I think like a good like really starting caliber player like Drummond could pretty much put like the Blazers back into like playoff contention so far with all the injuries they've been having all right and another player that might come to mind Evan Fournier the Orlando Magic now many of people like want like expecting that him to go off block like so far but he's on an expiring contract uh will be a, become a free agent in 2021 uh offseason and I mean like Coming off from that injury, like he's been like putting up pretty solid numbers, like uh, for Atlanta Magic, I think like like eighteen, six, and seven, like those pretty like pretty, that's pretty like serviceable numbers, especially from a guard like him. And I think like Orlando Magic is pretty much like between a rock and a hard place in terms of like being like contending or like they're pretty much like in the middle ground, like just shot, pretty much like an eighth seed, ninth seed, like pretty much like in the bottom uh, towards the rankings. And I think like any like a playoff like a team that, that could definitely use like a playmaker who could like pretty much like give you like a pretty solid scoring um, surge every night. I mean like some teams could definitely use that. I think like maybe possibly the Warriors I'd say like pretty much like taking off the burden of Steph Curry and his like uh, playmaking and all that. Like I think like Evan Fournier could like pretty much be a decent fit for like teams that could definitely use like some like good playmaking, good scoring, like pretty much like laying off the burden of their star players. I think the last person we have like that's a major name is, you know, Zach Levine. I mean, he's been going off this season, you know, he's been putting up insane numbers and that's been driving his trade value higher. So, you know, from a Bulls organizational standpoint, I think I would trade him and, you know, get good assets because you don't know how much longer this is going to all go up. And I think, you know, Zach Levine is a really talented player, but his value is not in Chicago right now because they're, they're still in rebuild mode. They don't really have a sense of direction, in my opinion. I think he needs to go to a playoff contending team to really show his impact because, you know, oftentimes when players put up big numbers on bad teams, they're considered empty numbers. And I, I think Zach Levine has a lot of talent, you know, not as a dunker, but actually as a scoring machine. So, you know, he, he should get traded to, you know, a team where he can be that number two, number three guy and, you know, put up solid numbers. I mean, like, um, and all the teams that like Zach Levine has been played, like he's never played with a team that has a winning record nor that he's been in the playoffs. So, like, I think, like, him in the playoff performance, like, his performance in the playoffs could definitely, like, really elevate uh, a whole lot. And given, like, what he's already been doing his past few seasons, I've, I've really wanted to see him, like, going on the winning team. All right. 
Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. That's all the content we have for today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening and uh, let us know if there's something that you want to hear from us too. All right, thank you guys for listening, and this is the Boxing One signing out. Yes, sir.